book six chapter one of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah g book six the impressions of dr galbraith nothing extenuate nor set down aught in malice othello act five scene two note the fact that dr galbraith had not the advantage of knowing evadne's early history when they first became acquainted adds a certain piquancy to the flavor of his impressions and the reader better informed than himself with regard to the antecedents of his subject will find it interesting to note both the accuracy of his insight and the curious mistakes which it is possible even for a trained observer like himself to make by the half-light of such imperfect knowledge as he was able to collect under the circumstances his record which is minute in all important particulars is specially valuable for the way in which it makes apparent the changes of habit and opinion and the modifications of character that had been brought about in a very short time by the restriction colonel Cahoon had imposed upon her in some respects it is hard to believe that she is the same person but more interesting still perhaps are the glimpses we get of dr galbraith himself in the narrative throughout which it is easy to decipher the simple earnestness of the man the cautious professionalism and integrity the touches of tender sentiment held in check the dash of egotism the healthy-minded human nature the capacity for enjoyment and sorrow the love of life and above all the perfect unconsciousness with which he shows himself to have been a man of fastidious refinement and exemplary moral strength and delicacy of the highest possible character and most lovable in spite of a somewhat irascible temper and manner which were apt to be abrupt at times chapter one evadne puzzled me as a rule men of my profession and more particularly specialists like myself can class a woman's character and gauge her propensities for good or evil while he is diagnosing her disease if she consults him or more easily still during half an hour's ordinary conversation if he happens to be alone with her but even after i had seen evadne many times and felt broadly that i knew her salient points as well as such tricks of manner or habitual turns of expression as distinguished her from other ladies i was puzzled we are not sufficiently interested in all the people we meet to care to understand their characters exactly but a medical man who has not insight enough to do so at will has small chance of success in his profession and when i found myself puzzled about evadne it became a point of importance with me to understand her she was certainly an interesting study and all the more so because of that initial difficulty a difficulty by the way which i found from the gossip of the place that everybody else was experiencing more or less for it was evident from the first that whatever her real character might be she was anything but a non-entity before she had been in the neighborhood a fortnight she had made a distinct impression and was freely discussed a fact which speaks for itself in two ways first 
her individuality was strongly marked enough to attract immediate attention and secondly there was that about her which provoked criticism not that the criticism of a community like ours is worth much consisting as it does of carping mainly and the kind of carping which reflects much more upon the low level of intelligence that obtains in such neighbourhoods than upon the character of the person criticised for what the vulgar do not understand they are apt to condemn somebody has said that to praise moderately is a sign of mediocrity and somebody might have added that to denounce decidedly shows deficiency in a multitude of estimable qualities among which discernment must be specially mentioned not however that there was any question of denouncing here for evadne was always more disgust for what she was not than for what she was one lady of my acquaintance put part of my own feeling into words when she declared that evadne could be nicer if she would that part of it which first made me suspect that there was something artificial in her attitude towards the world at large and more especially towards the world of thought and opinion and that had she been natural she would have differed from herself as we knew her in many material respects naturalness however is a quality upon which too much stress is generally laid if you are naturally nice it is all very well but suppose you are naturally nasty we should be very thankful indeed to think that some of our friends are not natural in looking back now i am inclined to ask why we evadne's intimate friends should always have expected more of her than we did of other people that certainly was the case and she disappointed us we felt that she should have been a representative woman such as the world wants at this period of its progress making a name for herself and an impression on the age and it was probably her objection expressed with quite passionate earnestness to play a part in which we gathered from many chance indications that she was eminently qualified to have excelled that constituted the puzzle her natural bent was certainly in that direction but something had changed it and here in particular the external tormenting difficulty with regard to her occurred with full force at a very early period of our acquaintance however i discovered that her attitude in this respect was not inherent but deliberately chosen i avoid questions of the day as much as possible she said on one occasion in answer to some remark of mine on a current topic of conversation i do not as a rule read anything on such subjects and if people begin to discuss them in my presence i fly if i can i should have thought that all such questions would have interested you deeply i observed they seem to possess a quite fatal fascination for people who allow themselves to be interested she answered evasively and in a tone which forbade further discussion of the subject but it was the evasion which enlightened me she would not have been afraid of the fatal fascination if she had never felt it herself and it was therefore evident that her objection was not the outcome of ignorant prejudice but of knowledge and set purpose it was the attitude of a burnt child 
the impression she made upon the neighborhood was curious in one way it was so very mixed in the adverse part of the mixture however a good deal of personal pique was apparent and one thing was always obvious people liked her as much as she would let them she even might have been popular had she chosen but popularity comes of condescending to the level of the average and evadne was exclusive she was une vraie petite grande dame at heart as well as in appearance and would associate with none but her equals and out of those again she was fastidious in the selection of her friends to servants people who knew their proper place and retainers generally with legitimate claims to her consideration she was all kindly courtesy and they were devoted to her but she met the aspiring parvenu seeking her acquaintance on false pretenses of equality with that disdainful civility which is more exasperating than positive rudeness because a lady is only rude to her equals and hence most of the animadversion but her manner was perfectly consistent her coldness or cordiality to mere acquaintances only varied of necessity according to her position and responsibilities in her own house where the onus of entertaining fell upon her she was charming to everybody to-day neglecting none and giving an equally flattering share of her attention to each but if she met the same people at somebody else's place to-morrow when she was off duty as it were she certainly showed no more interest than she felt in them i do not believe however that she ever committed a breach of good manners in her life when she spoke to you she did so with the most perfect manner giving you her whole attention for the moment and never letting her eyes wander as underbred people so often do especially in the act of shaking hands fairly considered her attitude in society was distinguished by an equable politeness in which however there was no heart and that was what the world missed she did not care for society and society demands your heart having none of its own she certainly did her duty in that state of life but without any affectation of delight in it she went to all the local entertainments as custom required and suffered from suspended animation under the influence of the deadly dullness which prevailed at most of them but in that she was not peculiar and she could conceal her boredom more successfully than almost anybody else i knew and did so heroically in her religion too she was quite conventional like most people in these days she was a good churchwoman without being in any sense a christian she did not love her neighbor as herself or professed to but she went to church regularly and made all the responses pleasing the clergy and deriving some solace herself from the occupation at least she always said the services were soothing she was genuinely shocked by a sign of irreverence and would sing the most jingling nonsense as a hymn with perfect gravity and without perceiving that there was any flaw in it in these matters she showed no originality at all she would repeat my duty towards my neighbor is to love him as myself 
and to do to all men as i would that they should do unto me fervently and come out and cut mrs crimes to the quick just afterward because she had the misfortune to be a tanner's wife and nobody's daughter in particular it was what she had been taught any one of her set would have said my duty to my neighbor without a doubt of their own sincerity and given mrs crimes the cold shoulder too the inconsistency is customary and in this particular evadne was as much a creature of custom as the rest it was my fate to take evadne into dinner on the first occasion of our meeting i did not hear her name when i was presented and had no idea who she was but i was struck by her appearance her figure was fragile to a fault and she was not evidently delicate at that time not having fully recovered as i was afterwards told from a severe attack of maltese fever but her complexion was not unhealthy her features were refined and exquisitely feminine she looked about twenty and her face in repose would have been expressionless but for the slight changes about the mouth which showed that the mind was working within her long eyes seemed narrow from a trick she had of holding them half shut they were slow glancing and steadfast and all her movements struck one at first as being languid but that impression wore off after a time and then it became apparent that they were merely rather more deliberate than is usual with a girl she answered my first remarks somewhat shortly but certainly such observations as one finds to make to a strange lady while taking her from the drawing-room to the dining-room and arranging her chair at table are not usually calculated to inspire brilliant responses she had the habit of society to perfection and was essentially self-possessed but i fancied she was shy coldness is often a cover for extreme shyness in women of her station and i did my best to thaw her but the soup and fish had been removed and we had arrived at the last entree before i made a remark that roused her in the least i forget what i said exactly but it was some stupid commonplace about the difficulties of the political situation at the moment i hate politics she then observed business is a disagreeable thing whether it be the business of the nation or of the shop i hear women say that they are obliged to interfere just now in all that concerns themselves because men have cheated and imposed upon them to a quite unbearable extent but they will do no good by it their position is perfectly hopeless and the mere trade of governing is a coarse pursuit and therefore most objectionable for us she drew in her breath and tightened her lips but for myself she added what i object to mainly is the thought why are they trying to make us think the great difficulty is not to think there are plenty of men to think for us and while they are thinking we can be feeling i for one have no joy in eventful living feeling is life not thought you need not be afraid to give us the suffrage she broke off with the first glimpse of a smile i had seen on her lips after the excitement of conquering your opposition to it was over we should all be content and not one woman in a hundred would trouble herself to vote i believe women are more public-spirited than that i answered 
they are toiling everywhere now for the furtherance of all good works and they come forward courageously whenever necessity compels them to take such an extreme and uncongenial course in times of war she had been leaning back in her chair in a somewhat languid attitude but now suddenly she straightened herself her face flushed crimson and i stopped short something in the word war either hurt or excited her her long eyes opened on me wide and bright for the first time and flashed a look into mine more stirring than the wine that bubbled in the glass between my fingers she is beautiful i said to myself but up to that moment i had not suspected it war she exclaimed speaking under her breath but incisively do not let us talk about it war is the dirty work of a nation it is one of the indecencies of life and should never be mentioned she looked straight into my face for a moment with eyes wide open and lips compressed when she had finished speaking and then took her menu in her left hand and began to study it with great apparent attention having discovered that she thought politics a coarse contaminating business and more the dirty work of a nation i felt curious to know her views on literature and art i have just been reading a book that might interest you i began it strikes me as being so true to life i think i should be inclined to avoid it then she answered for i always find that true to life in a book means something revolting unfortunately yes it often does i agreed but still we ought to know if we refuse to study the bad side of life no evil would ever be remedied do you think any good is ever done she asked i am afraid you are a pessimist i rejoined but do you really like books that are true to life yourself she proceeded don't you think we see enough of life without reading about it for my own part i am grateful to any one who has the power to take me out of this world and make me feel something realize something beyond the dash of the supernatural for instance in john inglesant mr isaacs the wizard's son and the little pilgrim has the effect of rest upon my mind and gives me greater pleasure than the most perfect picture of real life ever presented in fact my ideal of perfect bliss in these days is to know nothing and believe in ghosts this also was a comprehensive opinion and i felt no further inclination to name the book to which i had alluded but now that she had begun to respond i should have been well content to continue the conversation there was something so unusual in most of her opinions that i wanted to hear more although i confess that what she said interested me less than she herself did before i could touch on another topic however the ladies left the table a big blond man middle-aged bald bland and with a heavy moustache had been sitting opposite to us during dinner and had attracted my attention by the way he looked at my partner from time to time it was a difficult look to describe because there was neither admiration nor interest in it approval nor disapproval he might have looked at a block of wood in exactly the same way and it could hardly have been less responsive once however their eyes did meet and then the glance became one of friendly recognition on both sides but even after that he still continued to look in the same queer way and it was this fact 
that struck me as peculiar when the ladies had gone i happened to find myself beside this gentleman and asked him if he could tell me who it was i had taken in to dinner well she is supposed to be my wife he answered deliberately and i am colonel cahoon he spoke with a decidedly irish accent of the educated sort and seemed to think that i should know all about him when he mentioned his name but i had never heard of the fellow before i rightly conjectured however that he was the new man who had come to command the depot at morning quest while i had been abroad for my holiday End of book six, chapter one.